This podcast is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Good. Did you hear how hearty that was? That welcome back? Like, I'm back, baby. I got my voice back. I'm ready to rock and roll. <laughs> well, that's good because this case could be really long, so we're going to get right into it. You're going to drain my voice? Yep. All right. Before we get into this episode, though, I just want to remind everybody, this is the last day to order your From Crime to Crime merch. We're closing the shop for a little bit today at midnight, so go to fromcrimetocrime.com to get all your stuff and load up before we close it down. All right, so our case today was requested a couple of times over the two years we've been doing this podcast, but it was our first request, actually, that we ever got. (laughs) That's true, when we were just starting off. Yeah, so shout out to Viviana because she requested this case. And since then, like I said, we've gotten a few other requests for it, so we're finally doing it. So thank you, Viviana, for giving it to us at the very beginning a couple years ago, but it works perfect now. So we're going to be talking about Cassie Jo Stoddard. And this case takes place near Pocatello, Idaho. So another Idaho case. I don't know why I can't get out of Idaho these last couple weeks. I know. We've been back and forth there, but maybe that's where you're going to move to next. Maybe it's just on your mind. Nah, I don't think so. Anyway, in September of 2006 is when this case takes place. Oh, that's a big year for you. That's the year you graduated high school. Yeah. Oh, I forgot you didn't graduate the same year. I was like, we both did. Nope. I was I was a cool college guy by then. I was out there in community yeah, college doing whatever we did in community college. <laughs> Which yeah, was starting line your first of nine years in college. <laughs> <laughs> Ten, but oh yeah, no, my first right. year in college was mostly done with line dancing and just shenanigans. There was not a lot of school done in that first year. Yeah, which is why it took me ten years. <laughs> I was gonna say, or the next eight, really. Yeah, there was a lot of it in that time period too. <laughs> not, not a lot changed. Yeah. All right, September of two thousand and six. Let's see. Number one song on the country hot list. Oh, you're going to try to guess again? Yeah, I got to. I got to. 2006. Okay. okay got to be Luke Bryan. He was big then, no. I think. No. Okay. No. Uh, again, it's not a solo artist. It's a duo. It's a duo? Oh, 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 oh. It's um the guy with the beans. Um, Jennifer Nettles and the guy with the beans, Christian Bush. The guy with the beans? What are you talking about? The beans? Christian Bush, uh, the, the guitar player in... Um, uh, man, who's who sings with Sugarland? Like, Sugarland, you're talking about. Yeah, so his family owns the Bush Bean franchise. So like, he's just already oh, stupid really? rich. Yeah, so like, he's already stupid rich and was just like, eh, I'll just play music. Wow, I had no, I didn't know that. Anyway, oh, yeah. no, it's not, it's not Sugarland. Anyway, okay, so not Sugarland. You, you want me to give you a hint? Is it Tegan and Sarah? No, want me? To, who the fuck is that? No, <laughs> you want me to give you a hint? Yeah, give me a small hint. I got this. One, at least one of the members of this duo was arrested recently. Um, one? Recently, like the last couple months. I don't know. The judge? You're never going to guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was Leave the Pieces by the Wreckers. <laughs> Who are the Wreckers? You know, that girl band, that Michelle Branch and then that uh, other girl. The blonde I do not one. know. I don't they, know her name. Michelle Branch had a country hit? Yeah. Oh. That was a fantastic album, by the way. Oh, yeah. That that feels like a setup. Like, nobody's ever going to guess that. <laughs> I would have. I love that stupid song. If anybody was going to guess it, it'd be you. That's true. But nobody else. Yeah. So the main players in the case this week are Cassie Jo Stoddard, Brian Draper, and Tori Adamchek. Okay. I've heard these names. I don't know this story at all, but I've heard these names. 
So Cassie Jo Stoddart was a really good kid. She was 16 years old, super responsible, well-liked, close with her siblings. She was mature. She got straight A's. Just good kid. Brian Draper and Tori Adamchek are the exact opposite of that. I had a feeling that's where that was going. They're both super immature, irresponsible, and not liked at all by anybody. Not even really each other, to be honest with you. I was going to ask you about each other, but apparently yeah. not. <laughs> we yeah, all have like, those friends in high school, too. Where you're like, I don't really like this person, but yeah, we're friends. <laughs> yeah, except with everybody else, it's like you have your good friends that you really like. And then there's always like somebody that you're like, Ugh. Yeah. But with them, they didn't have, like, a lot of other friends. Like, nobody liked them. So they just kind of put up with each other. <laughs> the beginnings of a beautiful friendship. Yeah. So Brian Draper grew up in Utah, and he moved to Pocatello, Idaho, the year before this case takes place, the school year before. And he was not a cool guy. He had a real hard time fitting in. And he was also into, like, super weird stuff. So that didn't help. I mean, it's already hard enough, like, because he went in. This is his senior year, too, right? No, they're juniors. Oh, they're, well, I mean, still. Like, that's a tough time to go in. And then you're already yeah. kind of not fitting with the grain. That's a that's a really hard time to, to go in. Yeah. And he had a pretty severe stutter. Mm, man. So that didn't help. But he was also into, like, really awkward stuff. <laughs> like, he was super fascinated by serial killers, but not oh, like shit. the rest of us are. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, like, yeah, yeah, no. He, like, idolized them. Like, oh. he, like, liked them. He wasn't like, how is this guy so crazy? He was like, this guy's my hero type fascination. That, yeah, that is that is some bizarre behavior, no doubt. Yeah, so he was also way into horror movies. He acted like a film critic at, like, 16. You know, like, oh, that movie was so pretentious. Or, and it's like, oh, my gosh, like, you have good taste in anything. You're 16. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. Just, you're 16. Shut up. So he was also way too into the Columbine shooting. Oh, God. Yeah, he, like, respected those idiots and thought that what they did was admirable and they were famous because of what they did. I'd say they're infamous for what they did, not famous. Right. And there was even reports that he did get in trouble in the eighth grade in Utah for planning a school shooting. No way. Yes, he didn't go through with it, but him and a buddy like planned a school shooting. So that could have been part of the reason why they moved to Idaho, maybe to like give him a fresh start, start. over. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fine to be different and unique and weird. Obviously, that's like the keep it weird, cool thing now. But when you are, you have to have the mindset that you don't give a shit about fitting in like you don't care what people think because you're not gonna fit in like you kind of have to do it with a smile too like if you're just like i don't give a i don't give a shit and you're just like totally straight laced then it's like that's kind of strange but if you're like i don't really give a shit then it's like okay we can be friends exactly but brian's problem is he wanted to fit in and he wanted people to like him but he did his absolute fucking best to make sure that nobody did and then he whined about nobody liking him and not having any friends <laughs> i I mean, it's odd that somebody who was planning an attack on other kids wants other kids to like him. Like, why won't they like me? It's like, well, you were yeah. planning their demise. Well, right. yeah, but that's not a reason. Like, well, yeah, I think it, it is, might be. <laughs> yeah. 
And like you said, too, it's also hard to start a new high school halfway through high school. People already have their friend group, so it's hard to, like, just join up a friend group. Completely. Unless he's, like, in a sport or, you know, some kind of after-school activity where he's meeting kids, this is an uphill battle for him. Right. And he absolutely is not in any of those things. Like, he's not good-looking. He's not good at sports. He's not charismatic. He's not even just cool or quiet. Like, he's annoying. Oh, man. It's also probably a lot harder, like you said, to make friends at your new high school when you think the two weirdos who killed a bunch of people at their high school are like the cat's meow. Yeah. Is he wearing like Dylan Klebold and Eric? Yeah. Like shirts and Harris. Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold are wearing like shirts with their faces. No, but he's doing the fucking trench coat mafia shit. Oh, yeah. That that was kind of a wild time, huh? Like when after like people started wearing trench coats to school after that, it was like. Um, not cool, man. You know? Yeah. That, but that was like simultaneous with like that and the Matrix. So like you weren't sure, like, were they going to shoot up the school or were they going to like do whatever they did in the Matrix? Because I never saw it, but I nobody they, ever saw it. I think a lot of people saw it. <laughs> oh, well, we're not cool. We didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole trilogy. It's a big thing. Well, okay, whatever. But anyway, so he's like the trench coat kid. They've got like horror movie posters up in their locker and they're just annoying. <laughs> But somehow he does connect. What? I just, I'm thinking about people who are like super into horror things, like super into it. And like, I will be honest, I, I do tend to stay away. Yeah. Look, I like things. I just don't like things that much like that. Well, this kid's like the opposite of you. You're like happy-go-lucky, fun, gregarious. You played sports. You were to you. This kid's like the exact opposite yeah, that's of true. you. <laughs> that's true. So you're not going to relate to this guy at all. Like, not even a little bit. Well, hey, that's probably one of the nicest things you've ever said to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but somehow he does connect with this kid named Tori Adamchek. They have the same awkward interests, movies and serial killers and just... School shootings? Yeah. Oh, God. So Tori is from Idaho. So he does have a couple of friends, you know, because when you go to school with these kids since kindergarten, they talk to you. Sure. Probably mostly because they're like, don't shoot me someday when you shoot the school. Yeah, they saw it coming. (laughs) Yeah. So he seems a little more manipulative, too, than Brian. Like, almost a little bit smarter, but still weird. Like, still weird and super immature, but he seems like a little bit more... I don't know. Manipulative is the best word. Like he knows like he can't be that weird in front of people or they won't like him. Smarter and more manipulative is not a very good combo. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I hate to use the word smarter cuz you'll find out it's that's relative to Brian. That's not like relative to the rest of their class cuz he was not smart. Yeah. So these kids are awkward and weird and they also carry around a video camera like All the time. And this is before there was like video cameras on your phones and people were taking TikTok videos and stuff at school. Like these kids film themselves constantly. And this is way before any of that was like a thing. It was like Blair Witch Hunt video. Yes. And they actually think that they're interesting. And like what they're talking about is interesting. And they also think that someday they're going to make real movies. Like they're going to be, you know, horror movie makers. But they don't. 
they just make these weird diary videos about how they're obsessed with killing people and how they're going to do it and be the best there ever was at it. And That's unsettling. Oh, yeah. To film yourself saying all this stuff. Like, yeah, there's a screw or two loose in that head. They take videos of themselves planning murders of kids they know from school. Like in front of these kids' houses saying they're watching and waiting for them to be home alone. And then they're like, oh, darn it. Her mom came home, you know, and then they leave. I knew some kids like this growing up and yeah. it, it didn't get to this kind of extent but like they would do some weird things i remember one time i went over to one of their houses because we were friends and i looked over the gate because they weren't answering the door and i saw one of them completely covered in like rags and stuff and the other one was filming it and they lit him on fire and he like ran around for like only a couple of seconds and then he jumped into like the family pool but like i remember watching that and being like these guys are nuts <laughs> I didn't stay. I left because I was like, that's not for yeah, me. Of course man. you did. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was like, and like I called him later and I was like, um, so you guys lighting, lighting one guy on fire. And they were like, oh, cool. <laughs> no, not cool. No, not cool. Yeah, exactly. So these guys also take videos of themselves like arguing, like driving around in Tori's car, just arguing about the dumbest shit you've ever heard. Man. Before there was TikTok, there was this. Yeah. Like, Draper makes some comment about how they're evil, and Adam Check argues that evil is an expression of God, and, and they're not religious, and they don't believe in God, so they, they can't be evil. And then Brian's like, dude, we could be evil. Like, it's not an expression of God. And like, they're literally arguing about whether evil is an expression of God or not. And they have this weird dynamic where they both think they're smarter than the other one, but it's actually hard to determine which one's dumber. <laughs> yeah, it. it's real bad because it's literally almost the dumbest shit you've ever heard. And I say almost because after this argument, then they say this, which is definitely the dumbest thing you've ever heard. We're, we're bad. We are bad. Hey, that sounds so shitty. We're evil. That sounds hey. even shittier. We're not, okay? They were sick psychopaths that get pleasure of killing other people. That sounds good, baby. We're going to go down in history. Bad. We're going to be just like Scream. Except real life terms. That We're gonna be murderers. Baby. Like, let's see, Ted Bundy, like the Hillside Strangler, no. the Zodiac Killer. Most people are more amateurs compared to what we're gonna be. We're gonna be more of higher sources of Ed Gold. Gene. Gene. <laughs> <laughs> well, except we're that sick of that twisted. <laughs> oh, do you know what Ed Gene's words were? What? Saw a girl walking down the street, right? Yeah. Two questions came to his head. Hmm. I could take her out, have a nice time with her. The killer. <laughs> and show her a good her time. Alive. Charm the pants off her. Or I wonder what her head would look like on a <laughs> stick. Holy shit. <laughs> That's creepy, yes. huh? <laughs> Holy shit. Murder is power. Murder is freedom. Goodbye. I don't know. Wow. Um <laughs> Wow. Um that is... Yeah, where do you start, huh? Yeah, like, that's some of the most gnarly stuff I've ever heard. And even, like, teenagers who are stupid and say, like, dumb things, because I was certainly a teenager who said a lot of dumb things. Um, Not quite like that. That's a whole other level. Like, they want to be... They called, like, Ted Bundy, like an amateur compared to what they're going to do. I, I, I got a couple of things that are really bothering me about this clip and why it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So the first thing is he says Hillside Strangler, which it's Stranglers because that was two guys. Okay. So that irritated me. All right. Like these guys are serial killer experts, you know? It's yeah. like, come on. 
then I don't know what their criteria is for higher sources or whatever the hell they said, but the Hillside Stranglers, Bianchi and Bono, killed 10 women together, and Bianchi killed two on his own. Ted Bundy killed 20, confirmed, but is suspected of like 36 across multiple states, and he escaped jail twice. Not that Ed Gein wasn't awful, but what's like the scale here? Because he mostly robbed graves and then made shit out of the body parts. I mean, he did confess to killing two women, so he is a serial killer, but higher sort, like, what is their measuring tape for that? I don't know what their measuring tape is, but I think it's just two kids talking, honestly. Like, I don't think they really know what the hell they're talking about. They've heard these names, but, like, they are experts in their world, in their realm, but not as you are in this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what it is. Like they know who, they know the stories, but they don't know the facts. Well, surprisingly, the thing that bothered me the most that they said in that one minute is not even that they mispronounced Ed Gein's name because they called him Ed Gein. But the thing that bugged me the most about it was the quote. Which quote? The quote when he was talking about what Ed Gein said. The real quote is, one side of me says, wow, what an attractive chick. I'd like to talk to her, date her. The other side of me says, I wonder how her head would look on a stick. Oh, right. But it's not even the part where he misquoted it because he said it completely wrong. That's not an Ed Gein quote. It's Ed Kemper. Oh, Oh, even... Well, also totally like bad news, but I get what you're saying. Like, it's not the right one. (laughs) It's it's not only did he misquote it, it's not even the right person. So these fucking morons are like obsessed with horror movies and murder and serial killers. But even the thing that they're the most interested in, they're bad at that, too. I think you're focusing on the wrong thing here because, I mean, they're both named (laughs) Ed, number one, and two, like... I don't, I mean, they're quoting who they ever, what they want to quote, but like, it's really more of what's coming out of their mouth rather than who had said it first. I know, but it's like, it just bugs me that they're, they're even bad at this. And it's like, this is what you're supposed to be into. Like these two are fucking posers and not to age myself with that term, but they just walk around like misquoting movies and serial killers. They just parrot everything they hear in pop culture and they don't have like an original thought between the two of them. And then when they do, they just argue about that original thought if today wasn't the last day that the website was open we should totally make what a poser t-shirt i think that'd be cool i think we could bring those back for sure what a poser yeah yeah anyway so let's i'm I'm like so irritated with these kids it drives me nuts so let's go back to cassie joe stoddard the good kid oh yeah normal responsible she's 16 not misquoting serial killers right She goes to Pocatello High School with these two idiots, and she has a boyfriend named Matt, who is actually friends with Tori and Brian by way of Tori. Yeah. So Cassie kind of has to put up with them because her boyfriend is like friends with them. It sounds like she's made a big mistake here. Yes. Not to victim blame at all. But I think Matt. No, I'm not victim blaming. I'm just saying like, yeah, she is not what it sounds like her boyfriend is like. So it's like, eh, okay. Yeah, well, her boyfriend doesn't seem to be like them either, but somehow he's friends with them. So I don't know. Probably keep them close. (laughs) That's what I was saying earlier. Like, I think some kids figured this out. Like, oh, if he does shoot up the school, I want to be like the one he passes up because I was nice to him. So they would describe Cassie as their friend like Tori and Brian. But like I said, I have a feeling that she was just not mean. She wasn't a mean person. 
And she was dating Matt, who was their friend. So she kind of like put up with them. So on Friday, the 22nd of September, Cassie's aunt and uncle are going away for the weekend. And they have a couple of dogs and cats. And they live on more of like a spread out community, like 15 minutes from town. They have like a two acre property with like a lot of pastures and, you know, a big house. It's on Whispering Cliffs Drive. And they trust Cassie. And she's real responsible. She's trying to save up money to buy her first car. So they ask if she wants to stay there for the weekend and take care of their animals. And that they would pay her. Oh, that's a great job for a teenager. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I had that for a long time. Yeah, and she happily agrees. And she even asked them if her boyfriend Mac could come over and hang out. Did they say yes? Yeah. Which is surprising to me. I was like, I wouldn't have even asked because I wouldn't want the risk of them saying no. I would just have them come over. (laughs) And I mean, now like there's cameras everywhere, but then you could get away with a lot. Right. But that's how good of a kid she is. Like she even asked them if she could have her boyfriend over. So you could tell that everybody trusts her. Right. So at school, Brian and Tori find out that she's house-sitting at this big house alone with just her and Matt. And like the dicks that they are... They start spreading around school that there's a party at Cassie's aunt and uncle's house that night. Oh, damn. Yeah. (laughs) Which, that's how it always went down. It was always like some kid who wasn't really invited that told everybody (laughs) there was a party. And that's how parties would happen. Yeah. So, sometime after school, on Friday, Cassie and Matt make their way to the house on Whispering Cliffs, her aunt and uncle's house. Around 7.30 or 8 that night, Tori picks up Brian and they head to the house on Whispering Cliffs also. When they get there, Cassie and Matt are alone, and they give them a tour of the place, just kind of like show them around, show them the basement. There's like a weight room and stuff down there, so they were playing with the weightlifting machines. And then they all go back upstairs, and they like eat Otter Pops in the kitchen, and they decide to watch a movie. And it turns out everybody at school obviously doesn't like Brian and Tori because they told a bunch of people that there was a party at this big house on two acres of land, and nobody else fucking showed up. Nobody else came? Nope. Just them two. So it was them two and Cassie and Matt. Which Cassie and Matt were like, there is no party. They didn't know that they had spread that there was a party. They weren't trying to have a party. But I imagine that pissed these two off that nobody came to the party they said they were having. Right. So the four of them sit down to watch Kill Bill 2. I have seen that one. I didn't see the first one, but I saw that one. I didn't see either one. I don't think you're missing much. Yeah. So at some point around 930-ish, only like 30 minutes into the movie, Brian and Tori feel kind of like they're imposing on Cassie and Matt's alone time. Because they are. Yeah. They are. (laughs) Yeah. Funny that you feel that way. You're absolutely doing that. Totally. And they're such movie critics, they're bored with this movie. And they decide that since nobody else is coming and it's not a party, they're going to bounce and go see a movie at the movie theater. Great. That's the first good choice they've made this entire episode. And even Matt and Cassie are like, okay, bye. Leave faster. Yeah, go, please. Thank you. So Matt apparently does tell Tori that he needs a ride home later. Because he's not allowed to spend the night at Cassie's aunt and uncle's house. He's just allowed to hang out with her. Fair. Yeah, so he tells Corey, like, hey, dude, I'm going to need a ride home later. And Tori says, that's fine. Spend some time with Cassie. We're going to go to the movies. I'll come get you after the movies. So these idiots leave, and Matt and Cassie are alone at the house, which is what they wanted the whole time. Right. (laughs) From the get-go. Yeah. So a little while later, they start to get spooked, though, because they're in this big house alone on two acres, and the dogs start kind of barking at the stairs to the basement and just are starting to get real anxious and weird. But they decide, like, okay, well, their parents are gone. It's nighttime. You know, this is the first night she's house-sitting, so maybe it's just nothing to worry about. And they just ignore it. Then the power goes out. Ooh, that's unsettling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
And they're a little freaked out, but they figure that it's an outage, like, in the whole area. You know, they don't assume that it's just their house. They're like, well, the power company will fix that at some point. And eventually it does come back on. Uh, but then it goes out again. Then it comes back Oh, up. it was actually the power company. Well, we don't know. Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. But that's what they're assuming. They're assuming something weird is going on with the power because it keeps coming on and off. So eventually Matt calls his mom. He's like, hey, can I stay the night with Cassie because the power keeps going out? You know, she's a little bit freaked out and stuff. And his mom's like, ha, fat fucking chance. Thank God. Like, <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, yeah, no, honey, yeah. that's fine. But like, not a chance in no. hell, dude. No. In fact, his mom was like, I'm just going to come pick you up now because I don't want two 16-year-olds in a house alone with no power. Like, you guys will figure out something to do that isn't good for you. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. That's what 16-year-olds together do. She's like, and without even, like, any, dis- like, there's no TV, there's nothing to be like, maybe we shouldn't be doing weird things with each other. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So she's like, I'm going to come get you right this minute. So at about 1030-ish, Matt calls Tori on his cell phone. And Tori's whispering because he's in the movie theater. And Matt lets him know that his mom is coming right now to get him. And so he doesn't need a ride. Like, you don't need to come back and pick me up. My mom's coming to get me. And Tori's like, okay, whatever. They hang up. Matt's mom shows up. And she offers for Cassie to come stay with them at their house because she doesn't want her alone in a house with no power. I was kind of thinking of that, too, but the other side of that would be she's watching the animals. So, like, I was kind of thinking maybe right. they'd stay there together, everybody. No, no. Because, I mean, she had her husband and other kids and everything. So she's like, why don't you just come back to our house? But at that point, the power had come back on and had been on. And she had made a promise to her aunt and uncle to watch the pets. So she tells Matt's mom, no, thank you. And she decides to stay because she's super fucking responsible. Where are her parents at this point? At their house in town. And nobody's called them to come to their either brother or sister's house to help? No, because the power had come back on. The whole plan was for Cassie to stay there alone. The only reason Matt was there was because she asked if he could come over to, you know, keep her company. I get that, but why wouldn't she call her parents? Her parents are relatives of the homeowners. Well, because the power came back on. I don't care. Like, Well, she wasn't scared. She was comfortable at her aunt and uncle's house. She was fine. And the power had come back on, so she decided to stay. That's just what happened. I don't know. Trust okay. me, dude. If I was a 16-year-old girl house-sitting house, first of all, I would never be there alone, period. I don't care how comfortable I was. Second of all, if the power had gone out, even for... 10 seconds, I would be having a raging party. The entire neighborhood, everybody I know would be there. At 16, you 100% would have, I know. Of course. But this girl was super responsible and she was fine with it. So she decides to stay. So after Matt got home and settled in, he called Cassie sometime after midnight to check on her. And she didn't answer. And he didn't think anything bad because it was late. He thought maybe she just fell asleep or maybe the power went out again. So the phone wasn't working. So he just kind of brushes it off like, okay, well, hopefully she just fell asleep. So Saturday morning, Tori picks up Matt and they go to hang out. And all day on and off, Matt tries calling Cassie at her aunt and uncle's house and she doesn't answer. And at first, maybe she was still sleeping. And then after a while, he started to get kind of concerned because he's like, there's no way she's still sleeping. Like it's the middle of the afternoon. He tried calling like 15 times throughout the day. Wow. So by the late afternoon, early evening, he was getting really worried and and probably somewhat like is she mad at me for leaving 100 percent. that's going through the 16 year old boy's mind 100 totally. just like oh man totally i pissed her off so he was so worried actually that he asked tori to drive him back out there to check on cassie absolutely yeah but tori was like dude i don't have enough gas to get out there and back like sorry <laughs> 
And apparently none of them had any money. So Matt called Cassie's mom because he was that concerned. Finally. I mean, I feel like that's who should have been in, <laughs> been in charge of them to get go. Right. But her mom, for some reason, didn't seem concerned. She's like, Matt, chill out. She's probably just pissed at you for leaving. Like, Cassie's super responsible. Her mom was thinking if there was something wrong, she would have called her. Like you said. And she didn't call her. And she hadn't heard from her 16-year-old daughter this entire time either. And, like, wasn't concerned. I know we were super close, or we are super close with our parents. But, like, wake up. Hey, I'm awake. And then 10 more times throughout the day, like, hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? Like, at 16 especially, there was no, like, not being in contact. Yeah. But she knew she was at her aunt and uncle's. Like, her mom knew where she was. And she tells Matt to just stop worrying. She's like, stop worrying. I'm sure she's fine. Her aunt and uncle are coming home tomorrow and then she'll be back. Like, it's fine. So Matt hangs out with Tori the rest of the night and he actually spends the night over at Tori's and he tries not to like trip about Cassie. He's like, she's obviously super pissed at me, but like, we'll figure this out tomorrow. So the next day, Sunday, Cassie's aunt and uncle get home in the early afternoon from their wherever they were gone for the weekend. And their 13 year old daughter goes inside before them. They're like unloading the car and the 13 year old daughter runs inside. And in the living room, she finds a horrific scene. Jesus. Yeah, there's blood everywhere. And Cassie is lying on the floor, brutally murdered. Oh, man. I don't know why I didn't think that was going to be the case. Like, this is what we do. This is a true crime podcast. Obviously, there was going to be something gnarly going on. And I was just like, I hope she's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they call 911. And when the authorities arrive, they find out pretty quickly that she's been dead for a couple of days, most likely since Friday night. Wow. Her autopsy would reveal that she'd been stabbed about 30 times. And multiple of those stab wounds were fatal. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah. So they try and piece together what happened, and they, of course, haul the boyfriend, Matt, in. I mean, he's admitted that he was the last one to see her at, like, 1030 on Friday night. So they bring him in for a polygraph test, which he passes. Totally. He's got some alibis. A couple alibis, right? Yeah. His mom picked him up. She was with him all night. His dad was at home. You know, like, his alibi was solid. And the phone records show that he tried calling her from his home. After he got home. Oh, I forgot about landlines. That makes a lot of sense. And besides being kind of unemotional in his interview, he seems pretty genuine to the investigators. Like, they believe him that he's not involved. And his unemotional state is more than likely, like, shock. Like, he's... 16 and his girlfriend was just murdered he doesn't really know how to respond i mean who would like that's i mean at 36 i'm like i don't even know how to respond to that so they ask him if anybody else knew that cassie was there or came over like what piece together friday night for us like tell us what happened and he said yeah brian and tori came over for like an hour and they watched like part of a movie and then left so the cops go to brian and tori's houses and they interview them at home with their parents They say the same thing Matt did, that they went over there, they were there for like an hour, hung out for a little bit, and then they left and went to the movies. And then after the movies, they went back to Tori's and spent the night. Like, their stories lined up with Matt's, exactly. So they say they saw the movie Pulse, and they went to the 10 p.m. showing. Did they take polygraphs? No. But in their interviews, the police are like, okay, well, they're... Their alibi matches Matt's alibi, kind of, you know, but they still have to verify, just like Matt's alibi. They verified it. Right. So they go to the movie theater and they say, hey, have you guys seen these two kids? And who was working on Friday night? So they find the girl who was working on Friday night and they ask her, did these two kids come to the movies on Friday night? And she said, 
no. And she's the one who sells the tickets at the window. And he said, take a good look, are you sure? You know, type deal. And she goes, well, I know for sure they didn't because I know them. I go to high school with them. Oh, They're damn. the fucking weird kids nobody likes. Oh, wow. You know? I was <laughs> like, thinking, like, it's a smaller town. So, like, yeah, she knows, you know, she can remember faces of people who came in. But, I mean... That's pretty concrete, you know, like I know who they yeah. are and I didn't see them. Like she's literally like, yeah, that's Tori and Brian. Like I know them and they were not here on Friday night. So the cops bring Brian in for another interview and they're acting like cool guys. You know, they're doing the good cop thing. Like we just have to verify your story. It's no big deal. We have to verify everybody's story. Like just give us some details. And so they have Brian give them like a super detailed account of the night of the murder of Friday night and what they did. And immediately they start overloading him with questions. Like if you had done what you're saying you had done, these questions would be no problem. But like Brian didn't see him coming. No. Like stupid shit. Like where'd you park at the movies? Like he'd be like, so then we went to the movies and they're like, well, where'd you park? And he's like, what? And they're like, did you park on the left or the right side? Like where'd you park? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then this time they probably do have at least video cameras in the parking lot. So they could verify that kind of no, stuff. No, they don't. No, they don't. But they're just checking that their alibis match. Oh, I see. And that, you know, because they're they're They have some issues with their alibi because they don't. The people at the movie theater didn't see them. Right. So they're trying to ask them detailed questions to see if they match each other, because it's stuff that you wouldn't go over. if They literally went over their alibi as we went to the movies, you know, and they're asking like, OK, so when you walked up to the ticket counter. They're like, yeah, we walked up to the ticket counter and we bought our tickets. And they're like, did you pay with cash or a credit card? You know, they're trying to see if Tori and Brian's stories are going to match. Right. And they're like, was the person who sold you your ticket a woman or a man? And they're like, oh, it was a man. But it was a woman that was working that night. You know? Right. So they got none of this stuff right. None of these like little details. Yes. But they're acting like whatever they say is fine. They're not calling them out on it in the interview. And they're like, so when you went into the movie, you know, and you walk in and the concession stands are in the middle and there's theaters to the right and the left, was the theater to the right or the left you know like stuff they didn't plan to be asked and didn't know i mean who would think that who would think of that kind of detail especially at 16 yeah but if you had gone to the movies you would just be like oh it's on the right like you would know yeah i agree i totally agree yeah but that's what i'm saying like they didn't think of all these details right but if you're lying and you're not very smart then you didn't think of this stuff so cards are already stacked against you at 16 like you know yeah. adding all this other stuff like, you got you don't have a chance. Yeah. Then the big one, which really should not have been a big one at all, because this is like the one thing that you should have known. The police officers casually asked them what the movie was about, like the plot. Oh, oh man. And Brian, I mean, this kid has a stutter normally, but this is like bu- 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 bad now. He's like, <laughs> I was like, is this video skipping? Like, what's happening here? No, he just he had nothing. He didn't know. He says he can't remember. And they were like, well, who's in the movie? He's like, I don't know. It's like, dude, you didn't even watch a fucking trailer for the movie that you were going to use as your alibi, you dumb idiots. I can say that if I was going to do this, I would not have either. So I get it. <laughs> I get it. Stupid. It's really dumb. And then he tried to say that there were some girls that they saw at the movie theater that they and they were talking to them through the whole movie. So that's why they didn't know what the movie was about. And the cops were like, well, fat chance, because girls wouldn't talk to you from a mile away. <laughs> like, 
nope. especially random girls you don't know, they'd be like, ew, get away from me. That is some quick thinking, though. Like, these girls were talking to us, and I have no idea. Like, that is a very real teenage boy thing. <laughs> like, I have yeah, no, which is no fine. idea what's going on around me. I was talking to these girls. Yeah, which is fine for a teenage boy who has the ability to talk to girls, but these teenage boys don't. I did it didn't either. That's why I would have been taking my full focus to be like, okay, <laughs> sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> these kids, these cops are just like, dude, this is not your alibi. It can't be. Like, this is not true. I'm just telling <laughs> you, it's not true. Like, and neither of their stories matched up. And they don't know about this video yet, do they? About what video? The video of them, like, recording themselves talking and all that kind of stuff. They don't know about that yet. No, the cops haven't found that yet. Right. But Brian finally realizes after he doesn't know the plot of the movie or where the movie theater was or any where they parked, nothing. He finally says, okay, I'll tell you what we really did. And we didn't go to the movies. And the cops were like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we got that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, all right, so I didn't want to tell you this at first because I didn't want to get in trouble. We were doing something illegal. That's why we didn't want to tell you. And they're like, like killing Cassie or what? And he's like, no, no, no. We were breaking into cars in the neighborhood. I know you want me to say something to that, but like, it's so dumb. No, it's dumb. Like, yeah, it's, it's dumb. just so dumb. Like, okay. Yeah, that's exactly what the cops were like. Okay. What streets? What cars? What'd you steal? Show us one article of something that you stole out of a car that night, you know, to try to like solidify this alibi because they had no reports of cars being broken into. So they were like, this is obvious bullshit, too. Of course, he can't remember. I don't know. I don't know cars very well. Maybe one of them was white. I don't know. We didn't steal anything. We never found anything to steal. It's like, so you went through cars for a couple hours Looking for stuff to steal and you never found one thing to steal? Like, that doesn't seem Teenage right. boys are dumb, but yeah. I think they're smart enough to at least steal something if they're going to break into it. Like Right? So they dragged Tori in for his second interview. And obviously at some point between this interview with Brian and when they dragged Tori in, Brian and Tori have talked to each other. Really? They didn't keep them, like, separate? I'm surprised by that. No. So Tori comes in, and he admits to breaking into the cars right away. He doesn't even try to keep the movie theater alibi going, because he knows that Brian already copped to the breaking into the cars. But he does the same thing as Brian. Like, he can't remember anything, and then he says he stole a CD case, and then his mom's like, you didn't steal that CD case that night? Like, what are you talking about? It wasn't adding up. I'm glad that the moms, like, didn't cover for him, and we're like, um, nope. That's not real. That is the last good thing that his mother does. Oh, shit. I was happy with that decision, at least. Yeah, exactly. So the police search Brian's room with permission from his parents. They go to his house and they search his room and they find a knife sheath, but no knife in it. And they ask him, like, hey, where's the knife that goes in this sheath? And he's like, again, I know nothing. I'm an idiot. I have no <laughs> idea. I don't know. I just, I just don't know. Yeah, it's like he what? just doesn't, all of a sudden doesn't know shit. The next day, they bring him in for a third interview. And this time, they're like going to put the screws into him. They're like, all right, dude, what the fuck is going on here? And they ask him to take a polygraph test. And he buckles. When you're 16, can you refuse to take a polygraph test? Like if your parents I don't are know. like, yeah, go for it. I don't even know if they can polygraph kids. I don't know. Yeah. But they asked him to take one, and that's when he cracks. And he finally admits what they did that night. He did? Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, kind of. Well, we'll get into it. Okay. So he says that while they were hanging out, he excused himself to go to the bathroom at some point. Instead, he went downstairs and unlocked the back door in the basement without Cassie and Matt knowing. How did he get down there? Was that where the bathroom was? No, and... 
there's some things that I've heard that he did it when they were giving him that tour of the house and they were oh, hanging out down there. Oh, okay. I could see that making more sense. And then there's yeah. other things that says that he did it when he excused himself to go to the bathroom. But either way, he knew the layout of the house because they kind of gave him a tour. And this makes it premeditated. Like, it's not no. even just like a chance thing. Like, oh. This was like, oh, we thought we planned this. Okay. Keep that in mind okay. for later. This is the least premeditated thing about this whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah. So he says that he and Tori left like at like 9 30, 940, whatever, and they parked down the street for a few minutes. So they told Matt and Cassie they were going to the movies, but they didn't. They parked down the street and they decided to sneak back in to the house to scare Matt and Cassie. And that's why they unlocked the door before they left. But their plan was to just scare them, so they say. Mm-hmm. So Brian says, this is Brian's interview. Gotcha, okay. But before they did that, they donned black clothing. Like, they both put on, like, black dress shirts and white masks with fake blood on them. Like, these horror movie masks with fake blood on them. And they each had a knife. You know, the get-ups you would wear just to, like, run back into the house and scare your friends who are home alone? This is a bit much. I mean... (laughs) Of course it's a bit much. I don't know that this is the get-up I would wear to scare my friends. I think I'd just go with what I was currently wearing, but... And and your hands and just be like, boo! Yeah. Ah, Gotcha! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So they enter the house downstairs in the basement. And once they got inside, they started messing with Cassie and Matt. They flipped the circuit breaker like on and off to turn the power off. That's what I was thinking when you first went through it. But also at 16, I had no idea what a circuit breaker was. So like. Well, that's the thing is they thought this would lure Matt to the basement to see what was wrong with the power, you know, to like check the circuit breaker. Yeah. But instead, because they're 16 and this isn't a fucking movie, Matt and Cassie were just like, well, the power went off. I guess it'll come back on at some point. Like they didn't know what to do. (laughs) They weren't going to go fucking investigate it. They're 16. That's absolutely right. Like. Yeah, they're not going to go down to a dark basement in a house. Like, they probably didn't even know where the circuit breaker was in the house. It's not their house. Or, like me, didn't even know what it was. Exactly. So these idiots flip it on and off a few times. Like, remember how it was going on and off? Because they were trying to get them to come down to the basement so that they could, I don't know, scare them. Eventually, Matt called Tori to let him know that his mom was coming to get him and that he didn't have to come back and pick him up. And remember, Tori was whispering because he was in the movies. Well, apparently he was whispering because he was in the basement of the house that Matt was also in. (sighs) Yeah. So unknowingly to Matt, this was like a green light to these guys that Cassie was about to be alone. He literally said like, hey, my mom's on her way to come get me. So they were like, cool. If we just wait for Matt to leave with his mom, Cassie's alone. Yeah. See, like, and another thing too, like... As a former 16-year-old boy, like, your buddy's there, totally fine. But as soon as he's not, like, you're not looking just to scare the girl in normal circumstances. Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, all right, this isn't that fun anymore. I'm gone. Exactly. If they were just going to scare them, they would have done it before his mom got there. Because, like you said, they wouldn't want to just scare Cassie. That's mean. Yeah, exactly. There's no fun in that. Once Matt was gone and Cassie settled back onto the couch where she was going to sleep for the night, the boys cut the power again. Still, for some reason, thinking she would come down to the basement to check the breaker, which she did not. 
absolutely did not. And should not like have. If she, Good. <laughs> yeah. Like, if she didn't do it when her boyfriend was there, I don't know what made them think she would do it alone. Probably saw it in a movie or something. <laughs> yeah, they're idiots. So they break a couple ashtrays, like, down on the stairs in the basement to try to get her to come down. And still a big nope. Yeah, an even bigger nope, dude. Like, I'm not going yeah. anywhere near there's, like, ruckus that I don't understand in a big old house. Like, not a chance. And I don't know if she even heard the ruckus because, I don't know, if I would have heard that, I would have been out the front door. I would have right? been running to Matt's house. I was thinking the right. same thing. Like, I'm just gone and done and I'm out. Yeah. Eventually, when she didn't come down, they made their way upstairs into the living room where she was where she was laying on the couch. And according to Brian, Tori just immediately attacked her and started stabbing her. Wow. And Cassie put up a pretty significant fight. Tori ended up stabbing her about 30 times. So Brian admits that they did kill Cassie, but that Tori did all of the stabbing. And that doesn't really fit the bill for them. Of course not. But this is this is Brian's story right now. Right, of course. So Brian would end up leading the police to a place called Black Rock Canyon, where they had burned and buried all the evidence from the crime. Because the police are like, okay, if this story's true, what'd you do with the masks and the knives? And the, you know, If this story's true, and it's stuff? sounding like the most likely scenario that it is, where's all the stuff? Yeah, so Brian leads them to this place called Black, Black Rock, I want to say Black Star Canyon. Cause I kept thinking that, yeah. Yeah, it's called Black Rock Canyon. And they dig up what they buried. But they were bad at that, too, because they used hydrogen peroxide to try to burn this shit. And that wasn't as effective as they thought it might be. Is that flammable? I don't know, but it didn't burn much, so they just buried it. So anyway, the police dig <laughs> okay. it up. The, I know, stupid. I feel like that's not an accelerant. Like that. <sighs> I don't know. Well, I, I mean, should have looked that up. I didn't even bother to look it up because I was like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, sounds like it. So although... Hydrogen peroxide does get blood out of things. So, I mean, it it did kind of significantly tamper with the blood evidence, but that's beside the point. Okay. But the knives were there. Their their bloody clothing was there. Those stupid fucking masks. Everything was there in this hole that they buried. But the most interesting thing that they found in that hole, and the thing that, like, is pretty much solidifies this case, was that videotape. Oh, yeah. Dude, that tape is, like... You're dumb. Oh, and there's way more to it. We're going to get into it now because this is when the cops find it. So on this tape that starts way back in March. So we're in September and this tape starts way back in March. Oh, this is like a Chronicles thing. They're like continuing. Oh, yeah. It's like a diary. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So these idiots are planning and talking about murders of all their classmates. By name? Yeah. And these go all the way up until the night of Cassie's murder. And this is where we got the tape of them misquoting Ed Kemper, but they called him Ed Jean. But there was a lot more on those tapes than just them being idiots. There was also really, really stupid conversations like this. Parents, along with their parents, along with their parents, and so on. Uh Uh-huh. Taught them about God, Jesus, the whole bullshit <laughs> line. I'm sure you guys believe in God as well. I realized when I was in seventh grade, along, you don't believe in Santa Claus or <laughs> vampires or werewolves. They're used to metaphor, not to let, they teach their kids back in the 1800s, I learned this in English class about telling their kids that you can't go outside or a vampire will get you just to make their kids 
stayed and do what they want to do. God yeah, is basically the it, same right? way. Yep. Trying to get people to do good, or else, so-called, you go to hell. And we're obviously going to hell if it's real, but you know what? Who gives a shit? Uh, yeah. And yeah. why would yeah, you but say it's not it's real? real it's right? not real, because it's so blatantly obvious it's not real. But <laughs> People believe it because their parents teach them, and so it's so hard for them to let go of it because they've been taught their whole life. Yeah, I know. But fucking what the point I'm making is we are also taught that things like killing people and all the other thing is wrong. The only thing that it's wrong about is because it's breaking the law and the law is only wrong. It, the law is just selection, dude. There should be no law against killing people. I know it's a wrong thing, but Hell, hell, you restrict somebody from it, they're going to want it more. Exactly. Goodbye, camera. These guys aren't really in touch with reality. Like to say that killing people shouldn't be against the law and that's like the only reason (laughs) it should like it's like naturally you should be thinking like, hey, I shouldn't kill people. Right. Like that's a natural human instinct. Um, Yeah. And then to be like, the only well, reason and- it's wrong is because it's against the law and it shouldn't be. It's like, uh, you have no moral compass, dude. That's exactly the thing. And then the other idiot's like, oh, it's natural selection. That's all I got to say is that it's like, that's not natural. That's selection, not natural idiot. selection either. Yeah, you're dumb. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> God damn it. These yeah. guys are so stupid. So it's just natural selection. That's all you got to say. It's just natural selection. Like, well, don't say that because it's wrong. Right. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. This is the ridiculous shit on these tapes, along with them parked in front of people's houses that they know, people that they know, and talking about how they're waiting for them to be alone and they're going to be so prolific and they're going to kill all these people. Like, their plan was to kill people they know and get away with it and just keep killing people they know for, like, a really long time. Just because no one would suspect them? Like, is that their thought? Is like, ah, oh, no one will think <laughs> we'll do it. Like, we fly under the radar. Let's be real. They don't really explain their thought process and i don't know that we would understand well, i don't it, think there's a long did. one yeah i don't think there's a long thought process there's here. not so this clip is from the night before the murder when they're on their way to cassie's house just to like go see her now we're gonna go over to cassie and matt's house if they're home alone we're gonna see... cassie's house matt is there that is there sorry we're gonna go we're gonna knock on the door we'll see who's there we'll see, see, see we'll, we'll see if their parents are home or not if they're home alone we will leave our way, and then we will come back in about 10 minutes. We'll sneak in through the door, because chances are they're probably in Cassie's room. So we'll sneak in the front door, we'll make a noise outside, and Matt will come out to investigate, kill him, and it'll scare the shit out of Cassie. Okay? Well, Sounds like fun. We'll stay tuned. You're right. Like, that was the least premeditated thing of this entire thing. Like, they are planning this. Like, they're going to kill their friend and then scare Cassie with the murder. Yeah, like, they actually would have killed their friend Matt if it had worked out. Like, if his mom wasn't on the way the next night, you know? Yeah. No, they were planning for that. Like, Yeah, which is, like, beyond comprehension. I don't know how any of these people on these tapes, like, that they didn't murder, but they talked out loud about murdering, dealt with this, like, after the fact. I don't know. Like, Matt hung out with them after they had killed his girlfriend and planned to kill him. He hung out with him after they killed his 
girlfriend? Yeah, remember all day Saturday when he was trying to get a hold of Cassie? Oh, he was oh, with right, Tori. right, 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 right. He didn't know. I got gotcha. you. He, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. No, he didn't know, and he had spent the night at Tori's house. You would think that like they were looking for like an opportunity to kill him too, but it sounds like they got their jollies off of killing Cassie, and like that kind of that was enough for them. So this next clip is twenty minutes later after that last clip where they were talking about going over to Cassie's on Thursday night. This next clip is 20 minutes later after they leave Cassie's house and they had found out that she was going to be house sitting alone the next night. And we're going to edit out a name of another classmate that they mentioned in this video. But here's the audio. We found our victim and sad as it may be, she's our friend. But you know what? We all have to make sacrifices. Our first victim is going to be Cassie's daughter and her God, friends. turn your brights off, asshole. Well, yeah, we'll find out if she has friends over she's gonna be alone in a big dark house out in the middle of nowhere how perfect can you get like i mean like holy shit dude i'm horny just thinking about it hell yeah so we're gonna fucking kill her and her friends and we're gonna keep moving on i heard some news about she's gonna be home alone from six to seven so we might kill her and drive over to cassie's thing and scare the shit out of them and kill them one by fucking one. Hell yeah. Why one by one? Why can't it be a Two by house? two and three by three? Because we got to keep it classy. Keep so yeah, classy. it's going to be extra fun. You're evil. <laughs> yes, I am. So are you? No, evil, evil is an expression of God. That was another test you felt. Evil is not an expression of God. Yes, it is. I mean, these guys aren't just doing it to do it. They're doing it because, like, they're trying to get, like, their rocks off, you know? Like, talks about being horny doing it and, like, goes into detail about killing them one by one and, like, why does it have to be one by one? You know, like, let's just do yeah. it. Dude, this is some really, like, sinister stuff that, like, is, I mean, I, know. I, I don't know the, the proper diagnosis for this by any means, but, like, these guys are not <laughs> in touch with reality at all like they're no. so happy that these girls are going to be together in a dark place in the middle of nowhere they're looking for their opportunity and they found it and they're so excited to capitalize on it i know and it's weird too because the, i mean i almost like expect them not that it's a joke or anything but like when he says stupid shit like keep it classy it's like that's what does that even mean like what are you talking <laughs> about i don't know uh, a classy murder is Far past where we're at. Yeah. So there's even clips of Cassie. Really? Of them like hanging out with her? Yeah, there's one clip of Cassie from the morning of her murder. Oh, man. Yeah, at 8.20 in the morning, Brian is walking through the hallways at school filming like a fucking idiot. And Cassie's standing at her locker, like putting her binder and her books away and, you know, loading whatever books for the next class into her backpack. And he starts talking to her. And she's nice, but she seems annoyed. And it's kind of hard to understand her without the video. But she does say, no, she hasn't seen Tori. And then when he says, you don't care, do you? She says, no, not really. I want you to watch this video, Grant. I'm going to play the audio right now for everybody listening, but I want you to watch the video. Hello, it's Cassie. Hey, look, I don't know. Hello, Cassie. <laughs> I'm getting you on tape, okay? Say hi, please. Hi. Okay, see ya. Wait. Have you seen Tori? He's supposed to meet me here at 7.30, and it's 8.19. He's an hour late. 
You don't even care, do you? She's super uninterested. Like, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. like her face and stuff. And like, you can just tell like, oh, man, not again. And like, she's playing cool. Like she's smiling and stuff. Yes. But like she wants nothing to do with this. Yeah. You could tell she's just like being nice. Totally. But like being nice, but leave me alone. Yes. Being nice, but leave me alone. But they like describe her as their friend. I think they have a skewed view of what a friend is. You know, I mean. Yes. And most teenagers exactly. do usually. But this is like yeah. a different kind of skewed. Yeah. And nothing against her at all. Like I, I would have been way mean. To these guys. like she is super nice. Yeah, 100%. I'd have been like, get the fuck away from me, you psychopath. Yeah, I could like, see that happening. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. She's like real nice to them. So then the tape jumps to the afternoon, like later that afternoon on Friday at twelve eleven p.m. And Brian and Tori are in the library and they're writing stuff down, like in a notebook. And Brian says this. Tori, September twenty second, two thousand six. Skipping the fourth hour. We're not even playing right now. For tonight, it's gonna be cool. Literally says we're making our death list. Yep. And like, like they're going deep into this. Like they are absolutely planning on all of this stuff. Yeah. And who skips class and then just goes to the library to make a death list? <laughs> like. Well, it's not even like they were even, doing like yeah. homework, you know, like, hey, we, we missed this class because we didn't get this done. Like, at least we're going to do it. I was going to say, do people skip class to do homework? I've never done that. I never did that one time. Yeah, sometimes. Of course. Yeah. Sometimes people oh, will wow. skip class and like because they didn't get their homework done. So if they're not in class, then you'll get kind of an extension thing. Yeah. I'm not super weirded about that. Oh, it's I the, didn't know that was a thing. It can be. Yeah. Oh, when I skipped class, I left the school. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I was like, gonna fucking hang out at the school if I if you're gonna get a truancy, like get the hell out of there. Yeah, no, I could see you doing that too. But um, which kid is which? Which is the brown haired and which one's kind of the lighter hair kid? In that video that you just watched, Brian is the one on the left with the darker hair, and Tori's the one on the right with the lighter hair. Dude, Brian, he's got a look about him that like is unsettling. Mm-hmm. Like he just, yeah, he kind of looks odd. And Tori, <laughs> Tori definitely does seem more with it than than Brian, no doubt. But he also has like an odd. Yeah, look. no, there's 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 like something not behind his eyes. Like his eyes don't show like right. that light, you know, that people have. Right. It looks like he's wearing a Nirvana right. shirt too, which. Well, anyway, they argue for a bit on this tape, like quite a while, about stupid shit. And they argue about how much tape they've wasted. Meanwhile, wasting more tape talking about how much the tape costs. The, honestly, that's wasted. a very 2006 conversation. <laughs> yeah, because digital would Yeah, matter. that's a very you 2006 <laughs> thing. Like, oh, we can't afford more tapes. Yeah, they talk about how the tapes are five bucks a piece and they've already wasted half of this tape. And meanwhile, arguing about wasting half the tape on tape. Yeah, we don't need video blogs. <laughs> like, we didn't need them then. We don't need them now. <laughs> they've never really been a, gr- a good idea. Yeah, so this clip is somewhat harder to hear because they're in the library. But Tori says Cassie and Matt while he's writing something down. And then Brian says it's supposed to happen tonight. So hopefully nothing goes wrong. It will go smoothly and we can get our first kill done started and keep going I'm sorry 
that's his family, but GI Bill number one. We have to take up the plan. And she's perfect, so she's gonna die. <laughs> um So this is pretty obvious at this point that it's premeditated like they're no, not just gonna never. scare anybody. like they that are, was never their they, plan. the more that this goes on the more they're getting excited about it especially i think brian brian's kind of like and i know he's the one talking and stuff yeah but like he seems like this has been on his mind for a long long time oh totally because in this tape they go on to talk about making their mark on the world like Oof. eric harris and dylan klebold and yeah and brian anticipates that they're killing spree is going to last about two weeks and of course they argue about that too because tori thinks it'll last longer and blah 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 and brian's like well if we're smart about it it will and it's like well you're not smart about anything thank so god but it like... won't <laughs> yeah so then tori goes on in the tape to talk about giving hollywood his consent to use his likeness in the movie made about them but he's so dumb he doesn't know the word consent so brian tries to guess what word he's trying to use just listen just listen to this clip this is me You know what's kind of interesting about this is he says like, oh, I want someone to look like me and stuff like that. And actually, Heath Ledger does kind of look like this guy. Oh, the thing I was going to say when we came back was that the problem is there's no actors that are Yeah, maybe dumb not dumb enough, but no, I think Heath Ledger it. and him look very similar. Oh, I, I don't think so at all. Anyway, then they go on in this tape to write down a play-by-play of the plan. Forget like, okay, if he does this, then we're gonna do that. Like, this is real shit. Wow, really? Like, this is so premeditated that they've scripted. Like, okay, if he bobs, we'll weave, and if he goes left, we gotta. Yes. Wow, that's dude. Like they were literally checking game tape, pretty much. Like they were like, okay, we're gonna run this play, and then if they defense with this, we're gonna run. The, you know, it's like, oh my god. Yeah. Oh, this is kind of this is scarier than I thought. Yeah, and this is where it goes from real stupid to really heartbreaking. So I'm just warning you. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, this portion of the tape was taken at 9.50 the night of the murder. So this is after they hung out with Matt and Cassie and then left to go to the movies, but before the murder. We're here in his car. The time is 9.50, September 22nd, 2006. Um, unfortunately, we have the grueling task of killing our two friends, and they are right in that house just down the street. We just talked to them. We were there for an hour. But when we checked out the whole house, we know there's lots of doors. There, there's lots of places to hide. Um, I locked the back doors. That's all locked. Now we just gotta wait, and, um... Yeah, we're we're really nervous right now, but you know, we're ready. We're listening to the greatest rock band ever. We've been here for this for a long time. Pink Floyd. Before we commit the ultimate crime of murder. We've been here for this for a long time. 
a long time. We'll stay tuned. They're getting excited about it. Like they're so yeah. happy it's finally happening. Like that. This has been on their mind for, I mean, it sounds like years, but. Yeah. And they're literally talking about it like a football game. They're like, you know, we're really nervous, but we're ready. It's like, whoa. That is, yeah. That is some. Yeah. Dude, that, wow. Um, I don't even know, like, what to say to this. Because, like, what is there to say? Yeah. Like, this is some wild stuff. Yeah. And then, by some happenstance, the tape skips to 11.30, which is after the murder. So, luckily, I mean, they didn't film the actual murder, which is kind of surprising, considering they filmed everything else. Yeah. So, I'm going to play you a portion of the audio, and this starts pretty abruptly, so I'm just warning you. We just killed Cassie. We just left her house. This is not a fucking joke. I'm I stabbed her in the throat, and I saw her lifeless body just... I disappeared. Dude, I oh just killed God. Cassie. Oh, oh, fuck. That felt like nothing real. I mean, it went by so Shut fast. Shut the fuck up. We got to get our act straight. It's okay. Okay. We'll let's find tickets now. Okay. Come on. No. Goodbye. For two people who just killed somebody, like, they don't sound that concerned about it. Like you, No, you can... they're, like, out of breath, and you could tell they're, like, happy about it, but they don't sound like it, like, Totally. They were literally like, let's get our act straight. Let's go buy movie tickets. Oh, yeah. Like, they're, they're, their adrenaline's going for sure. But yeah, they are not, like, upset about this. They're, if anything, uh -huh. they're proud of themselves for following through with it. Yep. So extremely premeditated. And they're obviously both completely equally Was that Tori involved? who talks about stabbing her in the throat and seeing her lifeless body? No, that was Brian. Oh, man. Tori was the one that said, shut the fuck up. Let's get our act straight. Oh. Jeez. So they bring Tori back in for questioning because at this point he doesn't know that Brian confessed and led the police to all these tapes. Right. But Brian's story is still that, that Tori did all of all of this. Right. So Brian confesses, tells them Tori did all this, leads them to the evidence in the tapes. So they bring Tori in and he doesn't know any of this. He doesn't know the cops have the tapes. He doesn't know Brian's confessed, nothing. And he gives them the same load of lies about the breaking into the cars and all that kind of stuff. They let him go for a while, and then eventually they're like, okay, except that we have everything, including the tapes. And I'm sure when, like, he said, like, we have the tapes, like, I'm sure his heart went straight to his feet. Like, oh, man, yeah. that's bad for them. Great for the police, great yeah. for the family, great for everybody else. But for them, like, I mean, that's the smoking gun, you know, really. They admitted to it. So he finally confesses to the same thing Brian did, but the opposite. He says Brian was the one that did everything, did all the stab wounds, insisted that he never stabbed Cassie, that it was just a plan to scare her, and then Brian attacked her. Like, they literally are blaming each other. The problem with this, besides these fucking tapes that show that they were both planning this, the autopsy showed two distinct knife injuries. One was from a serrated knife and one was from a non-serrated knife. So it was pretty obvious that they both participated. And both types of wounds had at least one fatal wound. So they both killed Cassie. Absolutely they did. They're both excited about yeah. it. Like, 
I don't think either one of these guys would let the other one do it by themselves. Like, I think it's like they had, they both had to do it. And like, dude, one is, is bad, but like, what are the odds that two of these guys get together in the same spot? Yeah. And it doesn't matter either way, whether one of them did all the stabbing or the other one did, or they both did because the charge is the same, whether you held the knife or you were just there, like the charge is still murder. So eventually Brian admits to both of them stabbing her, but he says that Tori made him stab her after Tori had already stabbed her. But Tori never does. He and his shitty fucking parents just insist that he's innocent and that Brian dragged him into this and that he was just there and he would have never done this without Brian leading the pack on it. You know, they pretty much try to say that Brian like coerced him into participating in this. Uh, But that he didn't kill Cassie. The videotape shows a very different story. Right? Yeah. So they're both arrested and they're charged with murder and conspiracy. And they were tried separately and both blamed each other in their trials, just like they did in, in the confessions. But because of all the obvious evidence and the tapes and everything, they both were convicted and sentenced to life without parole. So it doesn't end with the life sentences, though, because Tori and his shit parents just keep dragging this out. Appeal after appeal after appeal. It's a fucking nightmare for years. And it's heartbreaking for Cassie's family every time this comes up because they can't just have any like closure and peace and just be done with it. Finality. Yeah. So his parents have given interviews and are just totally in denial. His mom, Tori's mom, even wrote a book about this case. The fucking nerve of this bitch to say that her son is innocent after all of this and then write a book and try to profit off it? Are you kidding? Really? Like, after these videos, after all of this, she's still like, nah, no way. Really? Yeah. He's the one writing most of this stuff down. Like, he is the one who's going like... This is our kill list. You know, like, this is what we're doing. This yeah. is how we're going to do it. This is the plan. It's all laid out yeah, there. Yeah, he's the, he's the smarter one. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Stupid. So I have no idea what this book is about because I absolutely refuse to buy Fair. it. Like, there's no way that I would ever contribute to that fucking nonsense. Would you read it for free at the library? Nope. Yeah, I, I would burn it for free at the library. <laughs> And I wouldn't use hydrogen peroxide like these fucking morons. It doesn't seem to be the best bet to make it work. No. You could bury it afterwards. Yeah. So the family of Cassie is totally devastated, obviously. The 13-year-old cousin who found her at some point would try to attempt suicide. Everyone battles depression and, you know, the grief of this is just like tearing the family apart. The aunt and uncle tried for years to sell the house because they couldn't live there. Yeah. And eventually it did sell, but it was like 10 years after the murder. They couldn't live there after this happened. Did the cousin succeed in her suicide attempt? No. Okay, good. And Tori not taking responsibility and him and his family dragging this out over the years with all these stupid appeals doesn't help anyone heal from this. (laughs) It's not their intention. They're not looking for anybody to heal. I know. They're, they're, you can, ugh. Eventually, the Supreme Court makes a ruling about life without parole sentences for minors. We've talked about this before and how they can be appealed because it may not be cool to give a minor a life without parole sentence. And so they could be eligible for resentencing. You know, I'm normally a big proponent for young people getting a second chance. But Mm -hmm. after watching this stuff, I don't think that these two deserve a second chance. Like, Right. They – the way that they – were excited about this. I don't think that's something that goes away. Nope. They they want to do it again. 100%. So 
Tory keeps appealing and trying to get resentenced because of this Supreme Court ruling. But every time the courts ruled that this was heinous enough and premeditated enough and just horrific enough. And he doesn't show any remorse because he won't admit that he did it. So he falls under the exemption for this and they uphold his sentence every time. Thank God. Yeah. They're like, nope, we think in your case it was appropriate. Dude, I do too. And I'm normally like, rehabilitate, second chance. I don't think this is rehabilitated. Or No. That's not the word. I don't think this is rehabilitated. Rehabilitatable. Rehabilitatable. Is that a word? Yeah. No, right. not at all. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll but go they're with not it. It's worth our podcast. it. We can do. We can say whatever we want. Yeah, like Tori gives an interview, and he's like, "I just feel like I'm. There's no redeeming qualities about me, and I'm just decomposing in prison." It's like, yeah, good. There is no redeeming qualities about you. You fucking suck. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. And it's I'm, shit parents. Yeah, are sitting there, and they're like, "Oh, it must be so much worse for you because you're innocent to sit here and know that you're just going to spend the rest of your life in here and you're innocent. It's like, oh, you fucking bitch. That's why he is the way he is. Even if he never stabbed her. Let's just say, let's just say. He's still not an innocent. Right? Like there's no part of this. It's like, oh man, you're the victim here, buddy. Right. Sorry. It's like, no, dude, you, if at the very, very, very least, you helped this other guy get to where he needed to go. And I right. fully believe that they both stabbed her completely. But yeah, playing on their side, like he was the brains behind this. Even if he manipulated yeah, totally. Brian to do everything, he was the brains behind all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was a documentary called Lost for Life. And this was quite a few years after the murders. I don't know, eight years after the murders or something. And these guys are in it. And they're older now. And they're both interviewed. And Tori's parents are interviewed. And this is where I was telling you where I realized, like, oh, his parents. I get it now. Why he is the way he is. Like, if you watch this interview, his parents are gross. It's like, oh, you should be in prison, too. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, probably. But Brian, in these interviews, fully admits guilt. And he talks about trying to honor Cassie and that's the only way he can ever like try to make up for anything and he talks about how Tori is still like on his first day of his sentence because he has not admitted that he did this like he says all the right things he seems to understand that you have to have remorse or a conscience but he also says that you have to have all those things to get any kind of post-conviction relief He's like, courts don't like it when you don't admit that you're not wrong. So it's like, oh shit, is this just like a manipulation to try to get out of prison at some point? certainly seems like it. And I would use that against him. You know, like I would be like, this guy understands enough to say the right things to get to where he needs to go to. So either way, hopefully they both stay locked up forever and ever. Amen. I love Randy Travis. But yeah, no, I agree. I think that these guys need to be away from society. You know, there's not many people that I think that about, but... Yeah, there's nothing redeemable about them. And God in or out of this, I think they're evil. I really do. Like... Yeah, (laughs) right. So I know I don't know how to, like, come down from that and just be like, okay, guys, have a good week. Talk to (laughs) you later. Are they in prison in Idaho still, or have they been moved elsewhere? Yeah. Are they in the same prison? Yes. Oh, man. Keep them separated. Right. Yeah, they'll come up with a plan. And they'll probably write it down. And videotape it. Like, they'll give it all to you. (laughs) Like... Well, thank you for putting all that together and telling me that because I I knew the names, but I definitely didn't know that case. Yeah. And thank you to Viviana for requesting it. I mean, I guess thank you. This was this was intense, but I hope you enjoyed it. Whew. So, well, all, all right. right. Well, that's it. I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye. 
This podcast has been a production of Orange Halo Media, LLC, hosted by Grant and Erica. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. To chat with us, go to From Crime to Crime on Instagram, From Crime to Crime on TikTok, From Crime the Number 2 Crime on Twitter, or you can visit our website at FromCrime2Crime.com. See you next Wednesday.